He loved me enough to, to die for me on the cross. And, you know, that's something I want to, uh, was singing that song right there, it came to my heart. I want to be more like Him. You know, God's love, that's a God love. You know, our love, we love, and lots of times it, 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 it's, it's conditional love. You know, we, we're going to have something back. You know, God don't ask for anything back. He don't ask for anything. He loved us enough. He went to the cross for us. He loved us today, even more than He did it. Sure. God's amazing love. What amazing love it is. Uh, does anyone have anything to share before uh, Brother Robert comes and brings our devotion? Again, it's so good to be here. And it's good to see y'all. It's good to see a good crowd this morning. Brother Robert, you come and share with us. Thank you, Bless you all. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, already been mentioned we've had some really good rain this week, and seems like uh, I told Elaine yesterday afternoon. I said I need to cut the grass, but it's been too wet every day to cut the grass. So uh, that's a good thing, I guess, after what we went through there for a little while. Um, had a had a good time up at uh, Susan Moore uh, lunchroom with the band, and I will just say that um, that's a politest bunch of kids. They came in, they were orderly, they, they, they paid attention to what their leaders told them to do, and, and uh, uh, they were very thankful for Liberty Hill for, for uh, uh, coming up and, and giving them a little food there before their, their band trip. So uh, enjoyed that, and they had, uh, uh, they, they looked like they had a good time, and we did too. Um, this morning, uh, if y'all want to turn, I'm going I'm to be reading just a little bit in the Ephesians. Uh, the sixth chapter, and uh, the sixth chapter of Ephesians, uh, I, 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 Paul apparently is in prison here, and he's writing a letter back to the church in Ephesus, and uh, he just gives them all kind of instructions, and what to look for, and how to handle things, and what to do, um, he, you know, he tells them everything from... Um, Kids love your parents, and, and parents don't, don't, the fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, and, and watch for unscrupulous people uh, that, yeah, that are out there, and especially uh, uh, spiritual people that are, that are uh, not in the way, uh, people who claim to be spiritual. He, he just gives them um, a letter here of instruction and encouragement and, I guess, uh, watchfulness of what, you know, what's out there, what... Uh, uh, what they'll be facing uh, with him in prison and you know he can't go to them in person but he can still write to them and um, uh, Elaine and I have talked about letter writing is kind of a thing of uh, that's kind of gone by the wayside I guess right after we got married we had a I guess a distant relative of mine that I did not know that my grandmother did and, and my grandmother told her we were getting married and she sent us a gift and Elaine sent her thank you note they started and for years, they wrote letters back and forth. And this lady lived in California. And uh, I remember one time Elaine sent her a poinsettia for Christmas. And she said, I'll send it in my backyard with the rest of them. They grow here naturally. <laughs> and so, you know, we just learned um, Ray and Lillian Sage. You see who they were. I know we'll forget those names. But it was, it was just good seeing those letters go back and forth. And, and Miss Sage would always end. She was an old lady then, like, you know, like we thought she was old, but she's not. But uh, she would end her letter with something like, just me, Lillian, and that guy, Ray. But you can tell they, they had fun, they loved each other. So, But that letter writing, that's the way Paul communicated, was with, with letters. And that's the way he could get information to them. So after he gave them all this instruction and, and, and things to watch out for and... Uh, beware of and how to handle certain situations. He ended it, um, I'm going to read part of the sixth, uh, uh, sixth chapter, starting at the 10th verse. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day 
having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your going, uh, loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And I think I stopped there. Um, the, uh, the verse that ends, uh, having done all to stand, you know, years ago, uh, we had a lot of kids here. <coughs> you know, we had Ben, Angie, and a little bit later, Elizabeth, and we had uh, uh, Kim and Taylor, and we had Nikki and Robbie, and we had just a bunch of little kids. And, and I would look at our church sometimes and think about the protection that they had here. And, I, and as, as a young man, I would look around, and we had strong men in this church. Uh, we had uh, Brother Robert, we had Brother JT, and we had the pastor, we had uh, other men, uh, Brother Lim, and we just had lots of men. And then we had me and Bo and Michael, and uh, we had... Mike Yeager, we had other, uh, Bobby Goss, and we had other men. And I, I had this image that you could put those children in the middle of a room and let us men get around them, shoulder to shoulder, and it would take a pretty strong person to get to those children in harmony. Well, that's what he's telling us to do. We're children. Even though we're adults and we're old, gray hair, and some of us are young. But we're still children. But if we'll take what God's given us to protect us, I mean, these men would have protected those kids with their lives. I guarantee you they would. And the church will protect us. This armor that he's told us to put on, it's, it's, it's all right in here. Uh, and the faith and, and the strength that we get in that, that's what we've got now to protect us from all these wicked things. And um, I heard a news report where in Florida, they had a huge drug bust. And they were telling how many pounds of this and how many pounds of that and how many guns and things they found. And then the guy says, and we found 9.6 ounces of fentanyl. And he goes, that don't sound like much, does it? And he told how many people that much fentanyl could kill. And it seemed like it was 9,600 people there was enough fentanyl in 9.6 ounces to kill over 9,000 people if used incorrectly. He <coughs> said a lot of it's used incorrectly. So there's evil out there. Sure. There's evil out there. And, and we need everything we can to protect our children and ourselves, uh, our elderly. Um, so if we'll, just, if we'll put on what, what God gives us here, that's a really good start. Now we have to be vigilant on our own too and, and watch for these things. But... Um, if, if we'll be vigilant and we'll put on the armor that God has given us to have, um, we can protect ourselves from those fiery darts that they talks about and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, in the, in the world we live in, oh, it's evil, but there's good too. There's good too. And, and they're met out in little white and red brick churches all over, all over America this morning and uh, there's just there's, there's a lot of good out here. We, we're normally kind of quiet, but we're not the newsmakers. Let's put it that way. And so uh, and let's just take what we've got, use what we've got, and uh, and let God help us through this evil time that we're in. Uh, does anybody got anything you'd like to say this morning before classes? I'm glad I'm part of the family of God. Amen. Yes. I think I might have scared Michaela the other night. Uh, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of rolled up a big like a scroll and, and had it taped together in a little roll like this. And I, I told the group, I said, uh, Michaela asked me a couple of weeks ago to, to do this, and I've been having a few thoughts along. I've been writing them down. And I said, Michaela, how long? We, what, what have we got to get out of here? And uh, she said. She looked over and her band director said, you know, 5.45, we got to be at the bus or something. And I pulled a little piece of tape off and I just dropped this scroll that went down about here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> 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 
Good morning, everyone. Tick too loud there. I don't know if I can teach this morning or not. I can't get that last song out of my head. No regret. I have no regret. Uh, Let's just talk about that a second. Uh, in, In the songs that Brother Chris has put together for this afternoon, the last one talks about having no regret spending your life with the Lord yeah and uh, I always can't help but think about when I see an older saint of God stand up hands trembling and they say their only regret is they didn't do more for the Lord that's the only regret they ever had I've never heard an older person stand up and say I have wasted my life in church What do they always say? Wish I'd done more. You know, a Christian is truly one of the few people in the world that can have their cake and eat it too. We can walk in the Spirit, have that joy in our heart on this side, and then promise of eternal life on the other side. Can have our cake and eat it too. Uh, Even in a fallen world, Even in a fallen world. I thought about the spies that went over into Canaan. You know, the ten that came back and said, there's giants over there. Uh, We're like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb, they didn't argue with it, did they? They didn't say, no, that's not true. They said, you're right. That's what's over there. But we are well able to take it. Amen. Yeah. In this life, with the ups and downs and the things we face, uh, we can still have joy here on this side. Um, I don't know, some people may look at me sideways. I'm in no hurry to go over there. I only get one chance in this life. I got eternity over there. I'll, I'll eat some of my cake here. But that song just really has stuck with me, Brother Chris. Any one word before we get started this morning? I want us to jump over to Romans chapter 4. Let's take just a little bit of a detour for a few minutes about uh, Paul having some comments about Abraham and what he was able to find back in the Old Testament before Christ. Uh, He asked the question in the very first verse. He said, Romans chapter 4, What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not not before God. But what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. 
what Abraham did didn't get righteousness in his life. It was his faith, his belief that had that righteousness imputed in him, even way back in the Old Testament. And skip down. He, he makes his argument. We won't go through all that, but skip to about verse 13. And he's talking about the promise. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham nor to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As we know, Paul was born Jewish. It is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calls those things which were not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be and being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb and I love this verse he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was told that have a child and he didn't stagger at that. He believed it. Even though it was hope against hope, he believed it. He didn't stagger at it. How'd, how could he have staggered? Unbelief. You know, that's how we stagger today, isn't it? Our unbelief will cause us to stagger when we're walking the road. And being fully, wait, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Yeah. Paul's opinion of Abraham and his faith. He fully believed God could do what he said. Yeah. Good stuff over there. You want a word on that? Don't y'all be as quiet on me this Sunday as y'all were last Sunday. All right. Chapter 16 in Genesis then. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And there's a colon there, and we need to make sure we stop there. And we understand what the writer's trying to tell us here. The, in this day and time, the value of a wife was drastically tied to how many children she could bear. Just the way it was. And for Sarah to be barren all these years was a huge shame to her. She was not keeping her end of the marriage, I guess you'd say. So let's, let's don't go past that too far. Um, what Sarah was going through, not being able to bear children for Abraham. And Sarah, a lot of, there's a lot of she's in here, and I'm going to try to put the names with them as they go. And Sarah had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And I have to think this was, she, this really her handmaid's what it was. Uh, and I have to think she came, or maybe she was one of the things Pharaoh gave Abraham when they left, when he pretty much drove them out of Egypt. I think, I guess imagine that's when she came into the picture as being Sarah's handmaid. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, 
the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Let's blame it on somebody. Hmm? Did she say let's blame it on somebody? I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maiden, or her hand, maidservant, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt in the ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. <coughs> oh, there's a lot in that. First of all, we find out right at the very end it had been ten years since God had promised Abraham seed. Ten years. That's a long time. Especially when you're already 90-something years old. But it had been ten years. And from everything I've studied, we would almost look at this situation as we would today a surrogate mother that she would have a child and in essence it would become Sarah's child. Uh, kind of, kind of a, a legal agreement, maybe I should put it that way. But I, but I can't help but think what Sarah's thinking. God needs some help in this plan. Let's take this matter in our own hands and let's help God get this done. Yeah. It's been 10 years. He must be waiting on us to do something. So she takes the initiative to come up with the idea. Let's do this, Abraham. Because this wasn't that uncommon back then. This wasn't a far-fetched idea. She says, okay, Abram, let's let Hagar have a son, a child for you, and that will be your heir and be my son or my daughter. In verse 4, And Abraham went in unto Hagar, and Hagar conceived. And when Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Oh dear. Yeah. What do we say? The plot thickens. It was a great idea, Sarah thought, until Hagar actually conceived. Then it was a really, really bad idea. Which is usually how things turn out when we try to help God. Now I'm not talking about not serving God, not doing His bidding, but when we just decide, in essence, there's a situation God needs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for God. Yeah. It usually turns out pretty bad. And this turned out bad. And Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. Abraham, it's your fault. That's really how you dig this out. That's what she said. Abraham, this is your fault. You know, this kind of parallels Adam and Eve a little bit, doesn't it? Who's I, whose original idea was it to eat the apple, eat the fruit? It was Eve's. She gave it to Abraham. Uh, she gave it to Adam. And now here, Sarah comes up with a plan and Abraham agrees to it. So guys, we're just we're just pardon? I said so actually it was the serpent, wasn't it? Yeah. So maybe this was the devil telling Sarah that she Good try, good try, Linda. Good try. There's gotta be a blame in there, so Yeah. Well, I'll say this, guys, we are just gullible. What can you say? They can get us to do anything. <laughs> Sarah said, Abraham, this is your fault. I've given thee my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. Boy, that almost sounds like, Abraham, we need to talk. But um, I don't know if Hagar 
developed a little bit of an attitude of pride or just naturally everybody was Hagar, look at Hagar. But uh, it almost raised like Hagar got a little bit high-minded high about this because she was going to bear a child to Abraham and Sarah couldn't. Even though Sarah was, she was Sarah's handmaiden. Kind of reached like a soap opera a little bit, doesn't it? Women say things between women that they wouldn't say in front of men. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> Anybody want to comment on that, guys? No, no, no. Ladies? I was thinking if the Lord was going to give me another wife, I'd say, no, thank you. <laughs> you can't improve on perfection, can you? No, no, no. Anybody that knows that uh, some things are bad ideas can think back to the 70s when all the refrigerators and stoves were, were bright yellow and bright green. And um, that, now they're all stainless steel, so, you know. But listen how bad, catching this last part of this verse, how bad the situation had gotten. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abraham said unto Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And remember, this was her idea. And here in the end, she's basically been so cruel to her that Hagar's had to leave. And here we go. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. Now, don't you notice something? It doesn't say... And an angel of the Lord, it was more specific. It said the angel of the Lord. That's a very different pronoun, right? Yeah. An angel of the Lord would mean one of many, right? The angel of the Lord is narrowing it down to one specific being. And... We'll find later on in the conversation and some of the things that she says and the angel of the Lord says, Melchizedek has returned again. It's Christ. The angel of the Lord is Christ. The angel of the Lord spoke to, Ab uh, to Moses out of the burning bush. I, I meant to bring it, and it's on my phone, but my phone's in the car about seven or eight times where the angel of the Lord appears to people when I'm being Elijah. But uh, Michael's two cents worth, the angel of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament. Now, as we get to it, we'll see why. But she's run away. I don't know where she's headed, if she's planning on going back to Egypt or what. But she's got to be despondent. I mean, she's alone. She's expecting. Sarah pretty much hates her. And all she did was, I mean, in a sense, she's, she's guilty, but in a sense, she's innocent. And she did what she was told to do. In verse 8, And the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. She never said where she was going. She just said she was running. Yeah, it's interesting. She, never, she didn't answer all of that question. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, 
and submit thyself unto her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly. I don't think a run-of-the-mill angel could have made that statement. No. That it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Why did God promise her that? That her son, out of this arrangement Sarah had come up with, would be blessed like Abraham's true son would be. Because he was a child of Abraham. Regardless, he was a child of Abraham. Yeah. So she's promised here that through her child would be a, a, an innumerable generations to come, which we know now is the Arab nation. Yeah. But listen to what he described about him. And he will be a wild man. I love one of the... If you start running down this verse and the Hebrew words and all, it, it kind of... He will be a, a wild mule of a man. Yeah. What a description. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. He's not going to get along with it. He's going to fight. And his descendants are going to fight. And you will find even today, I, I know the, the news is always the Arabs fighting the Israelis, but Arabs do more killing within their own nation than they do anybody else. Uh, yeah, the, the Shiites and the Sunnis. Mm -hmm. And just to say that, you know, the Shiites in one province may be one way, mm -hmm. and the Sunnis in another province might be another way. But in different provinces, they're they're the other they're opposite. So yeah. you know, and um, the Yazidis, or uh, <coughs> but yeah, uh, the followers the followers of Islam have killed way more of themselves than. Mm -hmm. They have Christians, yeah. but now they they specialize in killing Christians. Yeah, I think the most recent big example was that when you had the the group that was in northern Turkey, and they were attacked by the ones from the rest of the part of Turkey. They're all Arabs. They're all descendants of Ishmael, but they do not get along. Yeah. Yeah. Just proving out the scriptures. Here even today we see these words be true. So what does that also say? They never will. They never will. They never will be able to get along with themselves or anybody else. In verse 13... And she called the name of the Lord. Okay. And she called the name of the Lord that spoke unto her, Thou God seest me. She knew who it was. Yeah, she knew it was the Lord. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? That, that, that's kind of turned around. Uh, what she's really saying, I've looked on the one that sees me. Yeah. That looks after me. I've actually seen the Lord who looks at me. That's kind of how that, in our vernacular of grammar, it's turned around backwards. But that's what she's saying. The Lord that sees me, that takes care of me, I have seen him. Yeah. And I think seeing him just like I see you right now. 
This was no vision. This was no trance. She saw him just like us standing right here. Yeah, the angel of the Lord. Wherefore the well that she was at was called, anybody want to take a stab at that? Beer La Hay? Roy? Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bethel. And Hagar bare Abram a son. And Abraham called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Now, we'll find this later. It's 15 more years before Isaac is born, before Sarah actually conceives. Roughly a 25-year period between when God told Abraham he'd have a seed of his own loins until it really happened. And Paul said he staggered not at the promise of God. So, if we're looking at what Paul says, how do we gel that with what happened with Abraham and Hagar? Anybody? I'm asking that one. I hate to even throw this out there, but was he trying to appease his wife? Because Paul said he staggered not at the promise of God. So we all got our homework, don't we? To sort that one out. Right, I've done all the talking. Somebody a comment on this chapter. I'm honestly, of course, confused a little bit, or just wondering <clears throat> about how Ishmael. Why was it that God was going to make it to where Ishmael would have be against everybody and everybody against him if he was also going to? Give him more children like he did Abraham. It's almost like they were kind of the same. Well, because he was a child of Abraham. Except one exception. Ishmael was the workings of man. Gotcha. Okay. Isaac is the child of faith, the workings of God. Gotcha. You, 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 for the protagonist in, in, in this epic, we need an antagonist. And you, you know, you, you, you just have to, to see things. They, these would make the children of Israel have to rely on God because, because of this other group. Because they, they were wild and, and they, they, did God's bidding uh, a lot of times when the children of Israel got out of line, and they would they would come in and take them over, and they would they would start wailing, and God would hear them and, and get them out of it, and then they would they would stay, you know, they would follow God for a few years, and then then He would have to rise up another army and take them over and show them where they got, did wrong, but. And, and I think that was a, a real warning to us is, and, and you know, in this story, and it's 25 years, um, our time, God's time is not our time. You know, if, for, for us, um, who rattles our fingers while our microwave popcorn is popping, um, we, we would have wanted God promised that to uh, Abram uh, and Sarah gave birth to a baby nine months later. You know, just quick as it could be. Um, but it wasn't nine months. It was 25 years or 26 years. Yeah. But patience. Which requires faith. Faith. I think that Sarah thought when she gave Hagar to 
it wasn't. Yeah, that traditionally, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But we find here and down the road a little bit, God specifically says to Abraham, this child will not be your heir. It will be from Sarah. Yeah, he points that out real specifically. Well, I thought, you know, also the top and shadow of, of, of human man versus spiritual man. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why uh, Ishmael was born first. Yeah. <coughs> it's so important. Isaac was the seed of the promise. Yeah. Now, what, what can, how can this help me today? Well, we study this, and okay, that's all cool and good, but what can I grab out of this chapter that will help me tomorrow? Have faith and be patient. Mm -hmm. When God inspires me to act, I need to act. But when He doesn't, I don't. I don't need to act. It's kind of like Yeah, I don't. When you've done all you've been told to do, then you stand. Yeah. Yeah. You stand well enough. Yeah. yeah. But you know, two things, two words came up in my mind when we were talking about this uh, Sarah and Hagar. Could there be an issue of regret and maybe even jealousy there? Mm -hmm. Very possible. Those are two things that eat you up as a human. Yeah. But the other thing is, say returned from the promise of God to, let me find my word here. She turned to the ways that the world did it to help God. Okay? Can I put it that way? She had a promise here from God, but she thought, you know, if I go over here and we do this the way the world does it, we can help God out. Boy, that's a huge warning for the church. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to bring in things of the world to help God grow the church. And then and, 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 and this time, the ways of the world, uh, are men, uh, men of wealth and power had multiple wives. Yes. Hundreds of concubines. So it was not that outlandish mm -hmm. to do this. Um, but it just wasn't the promise of God. Yeah. In the world's eyes, nothing had been done wrong here. Okay? This was common practice. Yeah. But it was against the promise of God. The promise of God was not that Abraham and Sarah and somebody else would have a child. Yeah. Yeah. You Abraham was pretty smart about this situation. Um, when uh, Sarah was blaming him for this. He said, okay, you take it up with her. I'm out of this. It's between you and Hagar. Deal with Hagar. Well, he also, he, he, he also reproved his love with Sarah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Sarah, you're in charge of this. Yes. You're, you're, you're my right hand. Yes. Yeah, yeah, true. Anything else you think we can glean out of this chapter? What, Linda? Oh, it wasn't me, it was him. Oh, what, Bo? I think, I think he, was, he was like, <laughs> being like a logical man. You made it clean it up. Something else. Do you think that Sarah may have had in the back of her mind that maybe put her off that she couldn't have children and it was ever I'm sorry, what? Yeah, well, I mean, they had no yeah, way of knowing. Realize, okay, it's, I'm the reason I couldn't have children in, in that later. Yeah, that's very yeah. possible. Yeah, when it dawned on her, this has to be my fault. Yeah, very, very likely. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I've been following God for a long time and knowing his sense of humor, she, she got pregnant right away. I reckon she got mad at Sarah got mad at God at that point when she possibly realized which, that she couldn't have children 
No, she, no. I think she took it out on Hagar. Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. My last simple question is, what is four score in six years? Eighty. Eighty-six. Eighty-six. A score is twenty. Score is twenty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, we think it's six in a football game, right? Yeah, but it's twenty back then. Yeah. All right. And I ask that question simply because if I don't take what's in the Old Testament and learn from it, what good is it studying it? Yeah. To bring it up to my life, to make it apply to me, to see the examples of what these people went through so I can learn from them and hopefully not make the same mistake. Anyone else? Well, one thing about that, Michael, and I totally agree with you on that, is because with, without, with, with, you know, without some exceptions, um, the the priests and the kings, uh, you know, these people wandered through life without the Holy Spirit to speak to them, and so. You know, we, we have the Holy Spirit and, and, and hopefully we listen to it uh, in our life. Um, but the, I, and the Old Testament has been referred to as a schoolmaster um, because, you know, the Old Testament is, is man trying to survive with just written law. And at this time, the law is not written. Uh, with just, you know, doing the best we can. And sometimes the best we, we can, if we don't lean on the Holy Spirit, it's, it's not very good. Remember the verse that says, without faith it is impossible to please God? Right. That's not just for the New Testament. Right. No, no, it's the Old Testament too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Yeah.